dragons, spirits, ancient histories that are yet to be discovered, packs with gods, and a goat. If you like any of those things, you should probably come check out The Broadswords. We are a non-binary and all-women podcast that uh, play a little bit of 5th edition Dungeons and & Dragons. And let me tell you, there are not a lot of dice that are rolled, but there are a lot of shenanigans to be had. You can find us at thebroadswords.com or listen to us wherever your podcasts are cast. You know things, I know some too. Sit right down, the will explain them to you. If there's a thing you want to explain, these two feminists can entertain. Nerdy stuff, sexy stuff, so much to know. Tune in for the Femsplain Show. Femsplain! Do you find that I make like a lot of drinking noises on the podcast i do not find that okay sometimes i hear them when i'm listening to it and i'm like wow how many did you edit out that like that one snuck through i don't notice that very much actually so if you're noticing it that's you (laughs) noticing it i don't notice it but i do make a lot of drinking sounds too no you don't i do why you make it like a contest (laughs) It's not about you. I know. It's about the listeners. Listeners, if you hear us making lots of drinking sounds on the podcast, keep it to yourself. <laughs> I don't want to hear about it. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, but I think that the most appropriate time of day to be drinking is the morning. Yes. And that's what we're doing. Drinking yep. in the morning. Drinking in the evening. <laughs> drinking at supper time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> When you're drinking with a bagel. Oh, I was going to drink on a bagel. You can drink anytime. Uh, welcome to Femsplained. Yes. Welcome to a truly earth-shattering, unprecedented 100th episode of Femsplained. Yeah. we. I don't know what episode it is. In but honor of our 100th episode, we decided to be together. We are together for this most special 100th episode. Um, in person, sharing a microphone. It's the first time in the, the history first, of the podcast. That the we've first time. Been in the same state. Some podcasts were in person and uh-huh. then split up during the pandemic. Yep. But we said, we see this coming a mile away. Yep. We're going to be remote from the start. Mm-hmm. But today, we are not remote. We're not remote. We're in person. I'm looking at Avalon's Macintosh computer right yeah. now judgmentally i am not i you miss having a Mac. well yeah it's not that dirty it's fine <laughs> <laughs> so for this in-person uh episode we decided to have an in-person topic and i'm very excited about it but first what is we... an in-person topic <laughs> <laughs> don't question it's patty cake we have to, we're playing patty cake the whole time it's our first tactile topic yeah it, this is a visual medium now. Yes. Avalon, do you want to go first with nerd culture? Never. And I like that you finally care about that. <laughs> well, then I'll go first. Nerd culture has done some cool stuff for me lately. Number one, last night I got to play a game of 10 candles for the first <gasps> time with guess who? Avalon and Mr. Mansplain Minute himself, Francis, who is just downstairs relearning the Mansplain Minute song. <laughs> <laughs> so that he can perform it live. Yes. We'll see if that happens. So that really filled my cup. Well, that was mine. That can be yours too. Okay. I also went to a very cool little comic book shop um, here in Oregon the other day, and I got a copy of Kids on Brooms, which I'm very excited about. It's my very first time owning any of the Kids Do Stuff systems, mm. um, and I'm really looking forward to playing it. Cool. Yeah. What about you, Avalon? Well, I play that game. I rewatched Fellowship of the Rings extended version, mm. which was, you know, several nights of my life. Yeah. <laughs> um, you flew here, which I think is a tribute to nerd culture because um, nerds invite 
invented airplanes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I did trust a lot of nerds throughout history to get yes, on that airplane. It's true. Oh, and I went to a new comic book store in town. You weren't, you didn't come, though. I did not come. No. I was there. No, was you there weren't. No? You on drugs? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> I might have been on drugs. You went to, a, like, a game store. You didn't go to a comic book store. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Well, it was pretty cool. Well, nerd culture has done something for all of you, and that has been the continuation of the Femsplain podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so congratulations, listeners. I need you to know that we are not only sharing a microphone, but a chair. <laughs> because I don't know how sustainable it is. <laughs> not very. If we had to record the podcast this way the whole time, it probably would not have continued. No, it would not have. <laughs> well... Before we jump into our very important um, in-person topic, as stated, uh, we should maybe bring a man in here. Do we want to do that? See if he can remember the song. I bet he can. One, two, three. In a man's plain minute. Everything's explained in a man's plain minute. Tell the ladies what to say in a man's plain minute. Everything's explained in a mansplained minute. Tell the ladies what to say in a mansplained minute. Yay! Putting one minute on the man watch. Gender. (laughs) Now as the finest example of cis malery that exists, I am the perfect guest to have been brought in to guest star the episode about gender. And here's what I know about it. When Diana comes to visit and they want a beer, he can choose from one of three glasses. If he's feeling femme, tulip glass. If she's feeling a little bit more mask, number one dad glass. And if they're feeling a little non-binary, that would be the metal souvenir seafood chowder festival cup that we purchased from the soda stand at the Charleston Seafood Festival for $30. Unlimited soda. Which, honestly, you can't drink that much soda in a day. So maybe not the soundest financial choice. But those are the three genders. Tulip glass, number one dad glass, metal souvenir $30 seafood Charleston Festival glass mug. Metal. And this has been your Mansplain Minute. Woo! Well, I... I can't wait for all of those takes. <laughs> in, the podcast. in the podcast. Those will be exclusive on Patreon, the behind-the-scenes <laughs> edition of that live recorded Mansplain Minute. Do you take your time. You climb on in here. Now we have two chairs. Woo! Woo! That was a hoot and a holler. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> yeah, it really made me happy. Yeah. Uh, anyway, anyhow, so we wanted to talk about uh, gender identity, presentation, all sorts of things like that. I think because from basically the moment I landed here, yeah. we started talking about it naturally because I think since the last time we saw each other in person, which was ages ago That's now. wedding. Yeah. Um, you know, lots has changed, uh, about that for both of us. Um, and it's just nice to talk about it, but it would be even nicer to share with everybody, I think as well. Yeah. Yeah. We've had some, like, I think really positive conversations in what feels like a very safe space. And so it felt like a good time to then bring those little fledgling baby bird conversations to a very unsafe place (laughs) yeah (laughs) a permanent (laughs) recording for everyone to listen to and take out of context yes for all of time (laughs) great i am looking forward to all of your opinions yes i don't know where i want to start with this i guess because i think a lot a lot of people over like the you know, span of quarantine have have come to new realizations about gender identity and presentation. I'm not 
Um, not alone in that. I know that much. Um, but I think that that exploration didn't manifest itself like out of the blue in quarantine. It just kind of became more. Flying, sorry. <laughs> more easily defined. Um, if that makes sense. Um, I would love to hear, I, I have, I feel like I've rattled a lot about mine, but I'd love to hear like some of your thoughts or hear where you're coming from so that I know what, where we're going. You're talking to me. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were talking to the listeners. Listeners, please, we'll wait. <laughs> we're just going to keep it rolling. Um, so, okay. So here's where I'm going to start. And if it's sidetracking your question, it's not intentional. Okay. But the the reason the gender conversation, like, that I brought it up initially with you after I picked you up from the airport was because in our recent episode, the dating sim episode. Oh, yes. Which was right. two episodes ago. Yes. We, I started a thought experiment about, like, what, what you would be like as a boyfriend. And... I felt concerned when I was listening back to it that me phrasing that question refused to acknowledge and invalidated the fact that you are a boyfriend. Right. Well, I know that you feel that way, but I, I did not feel that way by that conversation. Well, I appreciate it. But, but I do agree that that brought, that conversation is probably the first time we've ever like talked about anything like that Mm -hmm. on the podcast. And it just sort of came up that way. Yeah. And like for me it was okay, so then so then we're I, I'm just trying to rehash the conversation that we had organically and it's not going to be as smooth. But <laughs> for me I thought it was really interesting once I gave myself like a little bit of slack, cut myself a little bit of slack for that gaff. Um <laughs> it was interesting to me that I th- I think we both on paper have similar identity terminologies. Yeah. But that the idea of ourselves in the context of being a boyfriend felt so different. Yeah. And I thought like, oh, shit, that means I'm not queer enough. But then we talked about it more. Yeah. And that's not what we decided. I think that I think that it's very interesting that as with many queer queer journeys, you at first gave yourself some slack and then started to judge yourself more for a different reason. (laughs) Yes, yes. Uh, (laughs) Which is... Um, very fitting. I think it's kind of beautiful how like two people can feel and consider themselves to be outside the gender binary in vastly different ways. Mm-hmm. I think that it speaks to the fact that non-binary as a term is really just an umbrella for all sorts yeah. of feelings and ideas that just don't fit neatly in the boxes that yeah. we have to fit ourselves in. Um, and so it covers so many different, so much of a variety of feelings. Um, and when you had first asked the question, like, what kind of boyfriend would you be? Like, I did think about it to, to consider if I did have different feelings about, because there are different, like, people that I know who, when they're feeling more, like, masculine or Mm -hmm. more femme or whatever and they they present different or they feel different on those days but at any given time I really feel like they all can apply to me Mm -hmm. which I don't think is always the case for everybody so I did kind of provoke some like thought on like I've, I've heard the same thing in reference to some people who are under the bisexual umbrella where their attraction to men feels different than their attraction to women. And for some people, it doesn't. Yeah. And, like, I think the same thing can apply to how you see your, your different gender identities yeah. and expressions. And I think for me, I don't – the words don't, like, evoke different feelings in me all the time, mm-hmm. which is something that is new um, – to me, which is going to lead me down another tangent. If yeah. You, if that's okay with you. Yeah. So I like months ago quietly because I don't like 
I, I have never felt comfortable like making an announcement about any of these things because they feel so new and in flux and like constantly evolving. And I don't know if there's like a stop on this train. Mm -hmm. So I haven't made any sort of like grandiose declaration or anything like that. But I did quietly start slipping in um, the usage of she, he and they pronouns a while back. I noticed that people who were like acknowledging that in in a good effort were really hyper focused on they and he and left she like completely yeah. behind. And I realized that I didn't love that because I do feel very much equally connected to that identity as well. Mm -hmm. And um and so I've like learned that over this course like they was very useful in in like give, in giving me space to like think about it but the more that people avoided she and like threw that out for me mm -hmm. the more I was like no I I like feel all of this yeah. I don't want any part of it to be gone you yeah. know and that was kind of an interesting discovery for me where I you know I feel comfortable um saying that now like all of these are good i love that because yeah. i feel like i'm messing up every time i say she mm -mm. and no i don't know why i think i think that there is i think that for a lot of people who are coming out as non-binary you really do want the validation that you yeah. are separate from your gender assigned at birth mm -hmm. and so it probably does feel more validating yeah. for a lot of people to have that be like dismissed at least for a while. Mm -hmm. um, but, and, and that's not to say for a while I didn't feel pretty cozy there, but I in kind of in the same way where I don't like, I don't like the idea of tossing the name of this podcast out. Like, you know, right. like I, I, I do still feel very connected to that part of me. I still feel very connected to the ways in which it has shaped, like, your, your. All, all of my life. Um, so I don't, I don't want to get rid of it. But that doesn't mean that, like, for other people that they shouldn't want that. But, um, but yeah, just for me personally, um, I, li I like them both. I like them all. Do you like them both or do you like them all? Because you tweeted about that the other day. Yeah. And I did not relate to it. So. <laughs> it's another time that I was like, my queerness is not the same as your queerness. It's it's not. So for they, I don't, I don't feel anything. It feels yeah. very fine to yeah. me. Um, I just, I genuinely, I feel more, I think that the word that, if there is a word that, you know, closely describes me that I've heard of, it's probably gender fluid. Yeah. Um, and that I, I feel very closely aligned with both mask and femme. And, and they is fine, very neutral. It doesn't like, I'm, I'm never going to feel like identified in that word, but it's, it's fine. That's interesting. So I have also felt really connected with the, term gender fluid but so my my interpretation of what you're saying and please correct me is that you are occupying all genders at once yeah comfortably and like confidently yes yeah whereas i would say that i feel like i don't have any gender and am like this amorphous genderless blob who enjoys like putting on gendered hats sometimes Love but that. feel like it's it's completely superficial like play acting like I it's love just for that. fun so to me yeah. like i've used gender fluid for myself thinking that it meant like how i'm slipping in and out of like almost like costumed gender but like foundationally there is not gender there that's so that's awesome. So and I feel I like that. you sincerely occupying <laughs> both genders like makes me like feel like clammy because it's like <laughs> those are both fake things and I don't understand how you are like really in them. That's 
fascinating to me. I love that. And I love the idea of being able to put them on, put them on as hats. But you know, like, so I have done some like soul searching and some playing around as Mm -hmm. well in terms of like, you know, dressing up in different ways and things like that. And like, even when I do like dress quote unquote mask, like I will often like put claws on and have big makeup on and stuff like that. And like I, so I don't feel like at any point am I out of one and into another. Sure. Like, um, I was also thinking about like, there are a lot of AFAB non-binary people who, um, seek out top surgery and I thought into that for a bit and I, I think my boobs are very handsome. So I've yeah. decided that I don't, they don't, they don't like flip that switch negatively for me. That's great. Um, which for a time I thought maybe made it, maybe made it so that I was not really feeling this genuinely yeah. enough, <laughs> you know, like, but then I realized that we're all so goddamn critical of yeah. ourselves for no fucking reason. Well, I will say that, like, having, like, a lot of breast tissue has probably steered and stalled my gender journey more than anything else. I, I, I bet. Yeah. It's, yeah. So I can totally, I could, I, so I think that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that a lot of it has to do you know, I mean, with all of the different things that society has gendered about us. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the ones that gets the royal treatment by yeah. society. Um, it's pretty hard to avoid the perception that's there. Yeah. And I I don't know how much of a disclaimer we did at the top of the episode, but I do want to clarify that, like, anything that we are grappling with personally or like oh we turn inwardly like you know me feeling invalidated or like some kind of you know dysphoria about boobs um does not mean that i think that people out there who have Have, right should be feeling those things or are invalidated this is entirely self-directed yeah and if your boobs do not make you feel like you are handsome. That is also okay. Yeah. So, like, by, these are all very weird, different mm-hmm. interpretations of all these feelings that I've just... We're just talking about how they yes. manifest for us. I don't know that we needed to say that, but I do feel you like know, I just in case. Yeah. Just in case. Um, I wonder... So, I've talked about this in, in, like, solo spaces. Like, I've talked about this on, like, my TikTok before. And I don't know if we've talked about it before. But what role do you think like the span of quarantine played in your journey well i mean so my quarantine's weird right because i spent the whole time like mothering which is a word that i would use to identify um right i gave birth i you know have breastfed the whole time Um, and so I've had no excuse to perform gender, um, externally or leave the house or whatever. But like, but I also think that once again, for me specifically, um, the experience of like mothering a baby for the first year of their life has felt like has been something that makes me feel like in touch with feminine energy sure. in myself. Yeah. Um, and you know, I mean, logistically like your boobs are bigger cause you're lactating and like, there's just like a lot happening hormonally and you know, so sure. I don't necessarily know that quarantine has made me feel more queer. Um, but I think that I have spent, this time with a lot more like queer community on the internet. Yeah. And so like, it feels like the people that I quote unquote surround myself with, um, are, are very queer. And so it has given me the space to self-identify space and language and language. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
um, and just sort of made it more of a priority for me uh, to claim that because I've, I don't know, I've spent my life with a lot of like internalized biphobia and depending on the, you know, depending on who my romantic partner is, what it will completely change whether or not I feel like I even belong in spaces and, sure. you know, and it's, so that part's been nice. Yeah. And again, like gender and sexuality, not the same thing, but. No, but I think that it gets there are, there are some feelings that feel very similar to me in the non-binary journey as the bisexual. coming to terms with being bisexual because of that duality I agree. feeling yeah. there. I think that, you know, the am I enough of this mm-hmm. because I lean this way or that way if I'm, you know, if I'm, you know, dating too many men, am yeah. I still bisexual? Yeah. If I'm wearing too much makeup, am I still non-binary? Mm-hmm. Am I, you know, if I'm too comfortable with my boobs, am I still non-binary? Yeah. It's like there are all of these um, all of these questions that come up that sound so similar to the echoes of my I past. agree. I totally agree. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's sort of how the journey has, I guess, impacted me for quarantine. Cool. But what about you? I think, first of all, I love that you shared that because I think that that is something that probably a lot of people will encounter at some point. You know, there are a lot of non-binary people who will at some point or have at some point. Um, given birth, and I think it's still, you know, yeah, important to to know that doesn't invalidate those feelings, and and not feeling more in touch with femininity if you do, doesn't mm-hmm. negate, like that yeah. you also feel those, you know. I think I feelings. also, and this again is like a truly personal to me thing, but like growing up, like the people who I could count on for like nurturing and acceptance, and like feeling like loved were women right and so i do associate like nurturing energy with 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 femininity yeah um and that does not need to be the case that's just my unfortunate experience but like (laughs) so i think that 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 gets wrapped up in in that a little bit for me as well sure yeah um for me um you know i didn't i didn't do anything major over quarantine besides you know just working and stuff but I did you know I did stay inside uh pretty explicitly for I want to say about <laughs> you know about eight eight nine months straight before um you know anything happened outside of my home um and I realized how much of my like gender identity was wrapped up in how I was being perceived by other people and being perceived like every day by um specifically by by men often mm-hmm. um and the big changing point was that i think the first time i like left the house for something other than work so like when i was leaving to go to the hospital um during quarantine i was going in two pairs of scrubs and a shield and a mask and stuff so i was really bundled up um, the first time I left the house to not go to work, I had to go, I don't remember. I went, I think it was the first time I went to the grocery store. Mm-hmm. So it was months and months later and it was summertime at this point And I was wearing like just a t-shirt yeah. and shorts. And I swear to you, it was the second I walked out of the house that a guy in a truck like stopped to try to talk to me and I had this like brain click where I truly did not understand why he was doing this like I remember like I was just like because for the last like nine months like I have envisioned myself as like this this you know gender amorphous like thing yeah like why why what are you seeing right i don't understand what you are seeing here um and then i just and then i guess i just realized that it doesn't matter it doesn't matter what like what i present as like there are gonna be these people and they're gonna see what they see and they're gonna do this and it made me mad, it mm-hmm. made me angry, it made me full of rage, it made me want to throw up, but then it made me just go, you know what, like, I, that's just it, 
I don't care what they see. Like I feel the way that I feel and that's, and that's it. And I don't know. I just felt like I needed to reject whatever it is that they see and put it away. Yeah. But that's not to say in, in the past I've wanted to be like, fuck men for seeing me as this. Mm -hmm. So I want to cover everything up. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I guess I, I kind of don't want that anymore. Not that I don't want them to stop fucking looking at me. Um, but I just want to be okay with what I look like and, uh, and to know that it doesn't matter what they see, that it's still, um, that what they see doesn't, isn't real. Yeah. If that makes sense. It does make sense. I don't think I'm there. I think that like the emotional fortitude it takes to like really for it to be more about you than about the way you're perceived. I don't, I don't think that I'm there. Yeah. It's not easy. It's very, they're loud. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so it's, it's hard. Yeah. I um I was talking to someone about this the other day. Um but I have this like memory in my sophomore year of high school that I was in my aunt's wedding and I had to get fitted for a bridesmaid's dress that was strapless. Yeah. And um the woman who was measuring my cup size in the fitting room at Dillard's department store um, in Tennessee told me I was a D cup and I just started weeping (laughs) and she got like really freaked out with me and was like, like, I don't understand what the problem is. And I heard her, she left the dressing room and like went and I heard her whisper um, to my aunt that I must be a real tomboy, which like was clearly coded as lesbian, which like really also upset me at the time. Um, But really, like, I just overwhelmingly, like, felt so betrayed by my body when I hit puberty. Um, Yeah. As I hit puberty late, I was a year younger than all of, like, my classmates, and I hit it fairly late. So, like, all of my peers, like, their bodies were kind of, like, getting set up. Like, you know, like, everybody had been on their period forever. You know, everybody, like, had curves, and I didn't. And I really thought that's what I was going to look like, and I loved that about myself. Um, my mom is like very like kind of skinny straight up and down and like so I thought that that's just what I was going to look like and yeah it wasn't probably until my junior or senior year oh that my I really God, started so getting curvy late. and I just felt like yeah you're like pretty set in your betrayed, mind betrayed absolutely yeah. betrayed by my body and like so <laughs> so I was wearing like my A or B cup training bras like I refused to get a new bra ever um <laughs> and like a sports bra and like a camisole and a long sleeve shirt and a short sleeve shirt and a hoodie and i was binding yeah you but were this is like it was, you were, you I were was. that's exactly what you're doing for ages and ages and like the my idealized version of myself and my like sense of style even going into college was like i always wanted to wear like really crisp button down shirts that like i could keep a bunch of buttons up top like open and it would be like there would be an inoffensive like lack of lack of you know like I that was just like that empty space was like my idealized version of myself and I think it wasn't until I was a little bit into college and I started getting like some positive feedback that people were finding me attractive that I was just like oh okay well like that feels nice and like the thing that people seem to like is is when I'm a little more femme so like you know it just kind of is a cycle Right, right. But it was just really funny how, like, I put away my experience with puberty until the last couple of years and was like, (laughs) oh, honey. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And, like, how hard it was to relate to other people my age, like, complaining about having boobs and all that, like, and the total lack of recognition of that from, like, any, any of my contemporaries at the time. Yeah. I... I remember I've I've been remembering lots of those things and I've told you a little bit about this but like I've been remembering like moments where 
like that validate that this isn't a totally new thing. Right. That this is something that's definitely predated this. You just didn't have like the space or the language or both yeah. to like accommodate it. Yeah. Um, uh, mine was never about my boobs, but like I had, I remember I had a, I had a haircut in college mm. that was a straight up bowl cut that I let my friend Maddie give to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I remember I had a cap, a cap on backwards so there was just a little tuft of bangs, like, sticking out the front. Mm-hmm. And I looked like such a boy. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. And I com- commented on it. And my friend Matt, I love him, very defensively of me. Yeah. I was just like, wow, I look like a boy right now. And he was just like, no, no, it's just because of the hat. If you turn the hat around, you're, look, you yeah, look yeah. beautiful. Yeah. And I crushed, like, a little, yeah. little bit crushed in my yeah. <laughs> heart that he... But, so well-natured, yeah. so good-hearted. Um, another one uh, was I was I was hooking up with this couple who I used to, to have a little uh, situationship with. And uh, they were also just so good-natured, so wanting to make sure I felt good and attractive. And I had been working out a lot at this time. I had been rock climbing a lot. I was in great shape. But it had, the rock climbing specifically had given me, like, very veiny, muscular hands. Mm-hmm. And I was loving it. I was, like, really loving how, like, masculine my hands looked. And I we had had some drinks that night. And I, like, looked down at my hand. And I caught a glimpse of, like, all <laughs> of the yummy, like, <laughs> veins in my hands. And I was just like, oh, wow, my hands look so, like, so mannish right now. And in, like, loving defense of me, just like, no, you have such feminine hands. You're so pretty. Like, we, like, you're so beautiful, blah, blah, blah. And, like, took the wind out of my sails. Yeah. And I did not examine either of those feelings at all. Yeah. <laughs> Period. I was just like, not ever going to think about why that made me feel icky or... Or, no, we're not going to think about that. (laughs) So the other thing that I think has, like, so much power in this conversation, I think for both of us, in addition to body, is hair. Yeah. Which is part of body, but specifically hair. So, like, I've had this very weird relationship with my hair for ages where, like, I have, like, I have, like, big, thick, red bedhead sexy hair. Yeah, and that is a very accurate description. It it has, like, garnered a lot of unwanted attention for me over the mm. years. And also, like, sometimes oh. it's something that makes me feel really confident. But, but it, it can be very I feel like oftentimes, like, it wears me. And I have gone sure. so many times in my life. I have been like, I want it gone. Like, yeah. I want to be me. And I don't want who me is to be defined by my hair. Which yeah. sounds so stupid, but it really sometimes it sometimes it is. Well, and I've literally witnessed men in your life who are supposed to be close to you, like right. literally define you as a as a fetish because of right. your red hair. Correct. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's 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 not in your head. Yes. It's one hundred percent a real yeah. thing. I have like, I have been on dates with a lot of men who have like specifically been like, I had this fucking coloring book or this poster or like this action figure or whatever when I was a kid that I was obsessed with it looks just like you I want to throw up on them like like a weird (laughs) amount of men so um there have been honestly countless times in my life that I felt like the most empowering thing that I could do for myself would be like for it to be gone like not as an attack or like an act of retaliation against my hair but like that's just like I felt like my outside would match my inside if my hair was, like, just gone. Like, I didn't have yeah. it. It was crazy short. And I have always been very aggressively talked down from that, um, whether it's, like, friends, family members, you know, hairstylists. Like, sure. everyone has universally implied that I would, like, look like a monster. Like, I would be, like, disgusting if I didn't have my hair. so good. Thank you. You would look... And so I've inter- so I've internalized like a lot of shit around like the fact that any value that I have as like an aesthetically 
even just like tolerable looking person is just because of my hair. So I have all kinds of weird hair baggage as it relates to gender. Considering the fact that you have Disney eyes. <laughs> like But I have such good eyes. Thank you. I never think about it that way. I, I feel like I have no bone structure in my face and that my whole face and head will just like look weird and awful. <laughs> Anyway, this, I didn't bring this up to talk me into it, but like no, but I'm just saying. But but I feel I, I do feel a lot better anytime that I have hair short enough that I feel like I can be versatile in my presentation. Yeah, because like, and this is again, this is just a me thing, but like if I have really long hair and I bind and I wear like a three piece suit and I don't wear makeup or like whatever and I like boy up my brows like if I still have like flowing long hair to me that just completely underscores the illusion of like wearing a boy hat that day right um in terms of my own gender presentation and um but like if it's shorter and you can kind of like part it in certain ways where suddenly it it doesn't yeah like that to me there's a lot of power in that um so anyway this is my segue into like yeah what the fuck does hair have to do with gender? hair has so much to do with it Everywhere. Yeah. But we'll start with the head. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, like, I have always, up until the last couple of years, I, like, I have long hair in the middle of my head and my hair shaved on my sides and the back. Um, And that's new as of the last couple of years. Prior to that, I always had short hair. Like, Mm -hmm. short, 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 short hair. But you also... We're always on a hair journey. I was always on a hair journey. I never found a good hairstylist that would do short hair for me that wouldn't make me look like Jamie Lee Curtis. Mm. And so I was always struggling with <laughs> getting a queer, <laughs> like, haircut. Yeah. That was very short. And then once I got this haircut, uh, I was freed from the shackles of a hairstylist, and I was able to just shave my head, like, That's every couple of weeks. That's also a quarantine thing, though, right? No. Oh. <laughs> Quarantine empowered me to have no, like, excuse left. Oh, I see. So I was okay. allowed to do that all the time. But I had started shaving this, like, the sides and back on my own. And then um, and then I had, during quarantine, started trimming the middle part on my own as well. Which that part shouldn't have done. Mm. Did some bad mistakes there. Wavy hair um, hides it. Or, like, wavy and curly. It hides, does. Hides it, it helps. Yeah. It helps. Um, but I've noticed that this haircut has given me more versatility than I thought it would, um, in terms of presentation. Like, I feel like when I have it to the side, Mm -hmm. like, I, that's like more femme to me. And when I have it like, like parted almost like, or pushed back Mm -hmm. like that, it feels very masculine and I like it. Um, my my big journey with hair has been trying to come to terms with how I feel about all of the luscious Armenian body hair that I've been given. I love this journey, though. <laughs> I do. Yeah. It's, I, so I have just, just in terms of genetics with my Armenian heritage and also a splash of PCOS to, mm-hmm. to help it along. I do have quite a bit of facial hair. And my issue with it is that it only grows on one side of my face. So I don't feel that I don't feel validated by it mm-hmm. so much. Mm-hmm. I just feel like I wish it could choose. Sure. <laughs> you know, either don't be there or be there a lot. Yeah. Don't just be on the common? right side of my face. Um, so I went to go look into, I saw one day somebody on TikTok saying how, you know, um, PCOS is like something that has made them feel like more connected to the non-binary mm-hmm. like community, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so I went to go look up more on that, uh, in like the community online of people with PCOS to see like what people are, are talking about in there. And I was immediately met with a lot of transphobia Hmm. and I, so I 
left very quickly. I heel toed right out of there. Yeah. So I haven't really looked into it um, that much. The first like out, like very out and proud, I think non-binary person that I met um, when that was sort of a new concept for me has PCOS and like embraces it as like a part of being like intersex. That's well, so that's what I was looking into. And uh, I what I found were a lot of unfortunately intersex people saying that like they don't want any trans people to like to think that way because of gross transphobia. Interesting. Things. Yeah. I, I, I didn't like I it. have not, I, not been exposed to transphobia from the intersex community. To be fair, where I found this was on mm. Reddit. So please, grain of salt. Yeah. That is a community that probably breeds that yeah. kind of feeling. But it was the first thing I saw and I got spooked. So I sure. ran. Yeah. I just like my first thought was like. Does it only grow on the right side because you always sleep on the left side? <laughs> I, um, I don't know. I, it's always, it's just always drawn only yeah. on the right side. It's the same though. Um, like I have more armpit hair on the right side. Huh. I have more, um, wow. I am also just realizing that all of, <laughs> all of my like lupus scarring is on the left side. So I wonder if there's anything oh. that could possibly have to do with that. Like all of my like lesions that I've yeah, scarred yeah. all over time, they're like down my legs and like my back all and on stuff. The left. All on the left side. That's side. fascinating. It could that could be some hocus pocus that I'm making up here, but no, maybe I think there's. I, I think that's like real hocus pocus. Yeah, though. there there could be. You know, like shit that Western medicine ignores hocus pocus. Yeah, like, legitimate. Yeah. Well, it does. You know, it like. To my limited understanding, lupus can affect, like, um, you know, it, it, like, it affects, like, basically all the top layers of your skin, like, deep into, like, the dermis. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe it does leave some, like, scarring that won't let facial hair or hair, body hair grow through. But does lupus have something to do with hair? Isn't that part of like, um, the Um, I mean, bullshit? it can cause hair loss, but, oh. like, as a side effect. But it usually goes away when you're not having a flare-up. I apologize if I'm being ignorant, but I did think not that there all. was some kind of, like, a folklore connection that you had made um, or pointed out. To, to werewolves. Yeah. Yeah, not about hair. Oh, okay. Um, when we have lesions, mm. not the butterfly one, but the ones that show up on your body, they can be shaped like bite marks. Oh. Um, and... Um, people with lupus are often photosensitive, so they don't like the sun can make oh, them sick. Okay. So people that in like, like vampires though. So <laughs> there's some crossover, but there was already a very clear vampire disease, porphyria, right. which literally makes people like burn in oh, the sun. Oh. Uh, meanwhile, people with lupus would just start avoiding the sun, and they would be like have these bite marks, and they'd be. More importantly, like back then, especially without any sort of pain medicine available, they would be mm. just be howling in pain. Oh, jeez. Um, okay. From like all of the swelling and stuff. Uh, and then it would like periodically go away mm. as well, which is a very like werewolfy folklore. Yes. Okay, well, thank you. Sorry. No, no. <laughs> no worries. I, but I do wish it also was because we grew luscious <laughs> well, facial I kinda, hair. That's what I- <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it would be very helpful for me. It would. <laughs> do you think you'd lean into it fully? Or do you think it would just kind of like come and go? I think I would sometimes. Yeah. I think sometimes when I was feeling it, I would let it grow out. Yeah. And sometimes I would shave it. That would be beautiful to have that choice. Yeah. I want to cry right now if I had that choice. But instead, I only have the same amount of facial hair as my seventh grade boyfriend, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> Just Maybe. to say barely any. That's fair. Wow. Well, I want that for you. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe maybe life. Maybe, maybe life. hormones in life will hit you. Yeah. Well, so I have seen a lot of people, regardless of how they identify, talk about how quarantine specifically has impacted their relationship with body hair. Yeah. Which I think is interesting. And it seems like women in general are maybe trending 
more towards embracing body hair, which I love. That I love too. And I, I don't want to say that that's inherently queer. You know? No, I don't think it should be. I yeah. think I would love if cis women, heterosexual cis women, yeah, also embrace their body hair because I think it's silly. Yeah. I think it's fine if you really genuinely don't like having it. Yeah. But I think that we have not had an appropriate amount of time to assess where that actually comes from. Yes. <laughs> because we, it's always been expected of us. Yeah. Always. Yeah. I have... I think, like, even through periods of my life where I felt fully straight cis, um, I have never, like, been on top of body hair because I grow, like, very light, wispy, very blonde body hair. And also, like I mentioned earlier, I went through puberty so much later than everybody. So, like, you know, like, in gym class and stuff in high school, like, all my friends were, like, fuck I have like leg stubble or whatever and like I still really wasn't hitting puberty so I still had like you know like blonde fuzzy leg hair yeah, that, baby that like hairs. kids have and yeah. and my leg hair didn't change from that Ooh. pretty much at all um and then my I didn't have any armpit hair I didn't ever shave my armpits until like my sophomore year of college I started getting armpit hair yeah um and now I feel like I can grow like semi-respectable armpit hair and like i actually kind of like it i like it too i like it yeah it's not like it's not like really like you know full but like it's it, no it's not but it's like very handsome. it's not embarrassing it's very it's very my, my pit showing i feel like is no not, and i get rid of it every once in a while honestly mostly if i'm in a social situation if i'm going to be in a social situation where i feel i just don't want people to notice yeah it um, like if my grandparents are visiting or like, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I just yeah, don't want like, to have to have that I don't want to complicate their lives and like, I know yeah. it'll come back, but, um, but I do. That's been, that's been a nice part of like quarantine and honestly just moving to Oregon. That's been yeah. a nice, cause like, I don't know, people are a lot looser with stuff like that here and, and I've really appreciated that. Yeah. But I, I can't remember the last time I shaved my legs. That's great. Like maybe like when I got married. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Why? For me, it's like, why? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, why? Um, I do every so often. Yeah. One, mostly when I do laundry because fresh sheets, oh, shaved legs. Yeah. Freshly lotioned, it's shaved like legs. Decadent. And you just get in there like a little cricket. Like, yeah. And you just rub them together yeah. until you fall asleep. Pop <laughs> It good, is a nice feeling. So, so, yeah. So for for self care purposes. Yeah. Sometimes, or sometimes when I really feel like like going high femme and and dolling up, which is not too often, but yeah. sometimes I do. Um, but yeah, otherwise letting that go, are you know, and the um, I just I just have to make sure I just have to ride a very special line, which is the "Am I not shaving because I'm depressed?" Yes. Or am I not shaving because, because I'm of empowered? Fuck? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's real. I have to ride that line a little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. So that's just something to look out for. But that's more that. of an internal yes. question. Yes. Yeah. It's you know what more like. Try looking at it from another way. Did you also use your mouthwash today? Did you yeah. also? Yeah. Look for non-gendered bathing. And there terms you go. To, to look uh, out like for. hygiene standards to yeah. shame yourself about. <laughs> no, I think that's important. It's hard to divorce those things sometimes. It is. I love that. <laughs> See, we're not. We we have different definitions of our non-binariness, but did we get some... more gay during quarantine, or did we just get so depressed that we gave up on hygiene? <laughs> no, no. I have tried to ask myself, like especially when I was thinking about, like the perception of others, like would I still feel the way that I feel about gender if we weren't in such a gendered society? And I racked my brain over that for so long until I realized that it is absolutely an unanswerable question. Yeah. Because we have known no other society. Yeah. Like, I can't, we yeah. would never know. So, like, why am I asking? <laughs> I had a funny conversation with my mom. So, my mom is great. 
Yeah. Maybe more liberal than leftist, but like. Sure. You know. And she tries. Yeah. Usually the first time you have a conversation with her about something, she doesn't get it. And then she'll come back and be like, I did a lot of reading and like, I think I get it. That is. She's, it's great. That is very special. Um, yeah. So. So when I was growing up, I just like absolutely idolized her and adored her and just like wanted to be her. And that's not healthy. But. (laughs) But she was like very much a tomboy and like very sporty and like always talked to me about how like she was teased in high school and stuff because like she wasn't like not that she wasn't feminine enough because she's like very like traditionally pretty and like modeled. (laughs) But like just that she wasn't maybe subscribing to like what felt like conventional feminine behaviors like she was always like getting in fights and like um so you know I I grew up very much like that's like a standard for femininity that like I would aspire to is like this kind of like gritty tomboy yeah (laughs) boobless boobless Um, femininity (laughs) and um I I was having a conversation with her it's got to be like five years ago now and I think we were just you know, we were, we were talking a little bit about the concept of being, like, non-binary or, right. like, they pronouns. And I remember she said to me, like, I guess I just don't really understand why pronouns matter so much to somebody that they would need to change them. Because, like, I mean, I use, like, she, her pronouns because I'm a woman, but, like, I don't feel any different than a man. And, like, she, like, basically, like, expressed this whole sort of, like, very yeah. non-binary thing. And like you know like try to rock her world with it or whatever but it was like yeah okay mom like yeah, yeah. she's just like i mean i wake up every day and i don't look in the mirror and see a woman i like see a person <laughs> yeah <laughs> like you know like this whole kind of right right thing that had the potential to be problematic but like knowing her and, and i just kind of feel like if if you were to have picked at that a little bit or if she was in a different society like yeah that might come that might come unraveled yeah yeah, yeah. um and I really loved that. I do too. For I her. like that a lot. So I didn't, yeah, I never like said anything to her about it, but I was just like, oh, mom, Aww. I really think that you like are, you are clear on some level. A yeah, bit. yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, in a, in, a, in a different society, like you probably would not have been. Yeah. She's got like very like Arya Stark vibes is the other thing too. Yeah. Like she like ran out and joined the she's military. She's killed a man. And she's killed a man. And like, <laughs> you know, it's fine. but yeah i i love that for her and i found that very validating yeah and also i didn't push it (laughs) that's very fair yeah (laughs) um i i love that yeah i feel very freed by this conversation Mm. i do it feels really good i know you like even though stuff we talked about previously like it's just really good to talk about um and to find like the places that where we like land together mm-hmm. and then the the places where we diverge i think is also really cool it scared me when we started diverging not Does... anymore good good but like at first it did at first i felt like us not having the same journey was invalidating for me i'm wondering have you ever cuz i've i've heard people talk about what you talked about which is feeling genderless but putting on gendered hats for Mm -hmm. fun and presentation have you thought about the word like agender for yourself or does that not totally feel right i think on some level it feels right but like not a level where i feel like i need to say it to people Mm. i think it helps me contextualize myself sure and i think i accidentally like invented that term at some point earlier in this conversation yeah it's like a gender (laughs) Um, but um that's probably closer to authentic for me because realizing that like and i have said this i think in various forms of media um realizing that burlesque feels like drag for me was like a huge moment yeah like You have said that before. Yeah. Yeah. And I I honestly feel like there's this whole process of, like, putting on a ton of makeup and, like, getting ultra high femme. And I talk to other performers and it feels like a very enhanced version of themselves. Like, this persona that they put on, um, you know, their stage name and all that is just, like, the idealized version of themselves. Like, an empowered version of themselves. And when I thought about it that way, I found that I was, like, having a lot of stage fright and, like, feeling very self-conscious and weird. And then when it became very much about, like, 
I'm doing like high femme drag. Like it was like fun and character yeah. play and like I enjoyed the makeup so much more and like I didn't feel weird and garish when I looked at myself in the mirror. Like I was just like this was like That is incredible how much like just changing your thought process around yeah. something can change how you feel about it. Yeah. God, and I think brains that are weird. That that's probably the beginning of me having like some sort of a gender or like gender neutral kind of like feelings. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Well, good. Cool. Listeners, we're still waiting on your answer. Uh, <laughs> if you could get back to us, please. Did you, did you mail it to us? <laughs> we're, we're still Our waiting. Our P.O. box. Oh, my God. We do not have a P.O. box. P.O. Do box not... 963. New York City. Yeah, send it to Stick Stickly. Please. New York State. <laughs> 10108. Yeah. <laughs> you can also send your Femsplain questions to um, Chicago, Illinois, 60652. So have we talked about this? What? First of all, good for us for knowing those addresses. I don't know my own husband's phone number. No. (laughs) It was just addressed to Scruff McGruff, Chicago, Illinois. Yeah, no street address. Like Santa Claus, New York, North Pole. I don't think that went anywhere. I don't think it went. it literally had to. I don't know that it did. I think that Scruff McGruff was a scam because there's no street address. What right. it's just, just Chicago, Chicago, Illinois. Yeah. The only Scruff McGruff in Chicago, Illinois. I have a and ton the, of questions. I mean, I believe that there weren't other Scruff McGruffs, but but I, that the post office just knows, knows where to where bring that. Can. Listeners, if you know anything about that, yeah, who's from Chicago that we can ask? I don't know. I don't. Oh, Not that I trust um, that people from Chicago know. Yeah, let's ask more. No. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, at least Stick Stickly had a street address. Wow. Or a P.O. box. But still, wow, that's a that place. that P.O. box must have been full. Yeah. I sent letters to Stick Stickly. Well, and they had that one thing where it was like, send a stick. Yeah. I sent sticks. I sent a lot of sticks. <laughs> <laughs> I used to make Stick Sticklies. Stick Stickly was way better than Face Face was an abomination. It was a, it was a totally different audience. I know, but Face like... was very comforting for children. Like he really talked right to you. I also, you know what? I don't feel like I should gender face. <laughs> they talked right to you. <laughs> I feel like there were multiple faces. Didn't Face have like a whole family? Their face here. No, it was one face. There were he was other just sort faces. of transformative. And then didn't Face have a child? Am I making this up? I mean, listeners, uh, Face had like a wife and listeners. Kids. Listeners aren't going to help you. I think <laughs> that you are making this up. I might be. <laughs> face was is a distant memory for me, but I feel like there was a family involved that they got introduced later on. I mean, that's yeah. I'll allow for that because you probably watched it longer than I did because you had a younger sibling. Yes, because I had a younger sibling, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Not not because I just really wanted to keep up on my stories. (laughs) My stories. (laughs) My stories. Hmm. I feel like this is wrapping up. I feel like it might be. Do you have any final, final thoughts? I guess my final thought is that for me, queerness and sexuality has been such like an ongoing journey of discovery and like and awareness (laughs) and like self-examination in hindsight and so I think that I find comfort in the idea that like I might have arrived at a decision or arrived at an identity but all evidence to the contrary like yeah why if if I feel different than I did a year ago or things make more sense than to me than they did a year ago like who's to say that they won't feel that way and also be unrecognizable a year from now yeah so i just kind of want to allow for that and i want a list i want the listener the singular listener to to also like allow for that yeah yeah for feeling different five years from now or like 10 years from now or tomorrow without invalidating the experience you're having today i love that i think that is a perfect note to end on like truthfully yeah. i think we all need that advice all right well what are we gonna do after this turn on the ac because we turned it off for the volume and it is hot i know and i like... can smell myself right now it is bad i can if i can smell myself if i like try 
Try harder, Avalon. It <laughs> <laughs> really sniffed. I am. Uh, <laughs> um, all right. Well, we're going to go turn on the AC and continue hanging out together. Because yeah, that... and we're going to go back and hang out with Francis. Yeah, we are going to hang out with Francis. Um, all right. Well, bye. Oh, Diana. What? The next episode that we record will be far apart I again. I know. I know. I'm sorry. Okay, goodbye. Bye. You can find all of our Femsplained content either on patreon.com slash Femsplained. Twitter, you can find us at Femsplainedcast. Instagram, you can find us at Femsplained Podcast. And you can check out superdillon.com slash Femsplained to find the guest form and all of the different places where you can listen and connect with us. Awesome. You can find and follow me, Avalon, at A underscore cat attack on both Twitter and Twitch. And you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, TikTok, and all the places at Super Dylan. And that is D-I-L-L-I-N. Awesome. Thank you so much for your support. Bye. Bye.